Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. Hi, I'm Nick, and guess what I'm wearing right now? A full, full body stocking or something. Long underwear, and it's red. Just the classic look that we've all come to expect from full body underwear or whatever it's called. I shaved earlier today, but the rub, the rubble, the, the stubble rubble's back, and my tummy's not rumbling because I just binge date. I've been helping a very nice person who has a fractured leg all week. My mom was sick over the weekend. She's better now. I prepared her turmeric lemon ginger concoctions, and now she's better. She didn't have to take advantage of Canada's free health care. Socialized medicine. I've been breathing for my diaphragm, <clears throat> but you wouldn't know it from my delivery tonight. Hi, how are you? For me, the week is starting in terms of podcasting. This is the first podcast of the week, I believe, after my devilishly successful talk with Nick Nemiroff was made into an episode, and now here I am. I feel like I haven't told you how I'm doing for ages, and I don't really have an answer. I've been running around uh, like a chicken with my hat cut off lately. Is that an expression? Let's make it one. This music is from Adam Melle. Melle? How do I pronounce your last name again? It is a uh, SoundCloud account called Pizza Gratis. Free pizza, I believe is what that means. It's on United Moon Recordings. Adam was kind enough to say, hey, if you want to use music, music, you can use this. Which reminds me, Harris Pittman, a buddy, I think he might have sent me music too. So if you want some music that I do my solo monologue over, well, this is the one. <laughs> Send it over. I'll talk over it as long as it's not the EDM. I'm very sorry about the... Uh, this is a message to anyone who listened to the Nick Nemiroff episode. I know I was talking to him over very distracting electronic dance music. I hope you still enjoyed the talk. It seemed to me to be just tolerable, just barely getting past the tolerability finish line, so I hope my judgment was good. I am not known for having incredible judgment at all times, so if it's not good, I'll be like, oh, makes a sense. Makes a sensor. Makes a sensor. Nick's a sensitive boy. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm just trying to get a lot of things done, and I keep having this problem where I forget to uh, deeply search for employment, and uh, luckily this week's been a lot better for that. Sent out a lot of emails. Hey, do you know what's going on? Hey, I'm looking for stuff. Hey, hey, can I be a actor in your TV show for permanent? Can I be a principal actor forever on your television So, In case you haven't listened to this podcast before, my name is Nick. I try to get this podcast out four times a week. So far, 2019 hasn't been great for that, but that's my intent. That's what I'll always try to hit. Also... I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm, I may do this show twice, uh, three times a week, with two of them being longer episodes divided up. Look, what I'm trying to say is, this is not serial. This is not S-Town. This is not Dog Love Movie. This is a show that is amorphous. It is evolving as you listen. All I can promise is fun the whole way through. All I can promise are glorious theme th- theme songs. All I can glorious are 
all I can promise are confused word scrambles that you will have to decode coming from the mouth of a red long underwear clad Jewish Irish person who lives in a nice house in Toronto with his mother and is over the age of 18. Listen to the new Solange. That was cool. She's got the right idea. She's doing some challenging stuff. I like it. At first I wasn't that sure, and then as I heard it more, I was like, hmm, I like it. So I'm going to give it a closer listen, and hopefully that inspires uh, what sparks joy. And if it sparks joy, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy it on vinyls. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a record player. I have a cassette Walkman, but I've been burning through selling my cassettes. Not important. I kind of think I'm making a mistake selling my cassettes, though. I listen I listen to those cassettes, and I say, wow, like, I actually love this hiss. I love how sometimes the music sounds like it's submerged, and sometimes it sounds like there's a certain type of bass that was almost made for the cassette. Um, maybe specifically a cassette Walkman. Mostly I'm talking about the album Inhaler by Tad. Put that on with headphones on tape. Let me know what you think. I can't even get into all the dead celebs and such lately. Boy, it's intense. Luke Perry? Come on now. Really? Luke Perry and the Prodigy guy? One person I appreciated in the 90s, another person I didn't appreciate until two years ago. Keith Flint. I quite enjoyed uh, covering Firestarter and Breathe a few years back as him. It was fun. Um, That guy had pizzazz, and I'm sorry that it was almost too much pizzazz. It was so much pizzazz that his brain was flooded because a lot of these people who do the thing and go out, they're like amazing people and their brains are overflowing. Their cups runneth over and they can't handle it. Luke Perry, though. Bren! Man. It's weird to think he was in his early 20s in 9 or 2 and 0. He did not look like he was in his early 20s. But that's one of those ones that comes out of nowhere. I can't even feel old that he died. I can just worry. That seemed like an awkward place to hear that sample. And so, now I tell you about the newest and wildest turn of events these days. And that is the age of political cartoons that we live in. Editorial cartoons, you could call them. I think they're no longer called editorial cartoons because editors really want nothing to do with them. And it's really interesting to me that the death of print is uh, directly traceable to how shabby the cartooning is in newspapers, (laughs) right? Because as bad as we think political cartoons are, well, those are the worst. Nothing is worse than political cartoons. The best political cartoon is worse than um, the film 
Armageddon, which is one of my least favorite films. Uh, the worst, the, and it's so much worse than even a cartoon. I don't know if you get these. Uh, these are in the Toronto Star. They're like cartoons like Pardon My Planet, cartoons like Adam at Home, of course, Family Circus, which has been taken over by Bill Keen's son, Jeff. These are complete gibberish and frustrating. But the political cartoon these days, not only are they completely incomprehensible, but the imagery is the only thing that makes sense. You know, it's the only thing you can kind of you see in front of you. So in Canada, there's been this new trend <laughs> of political cartoonists. You know, um talking about uh, uh, current events and then immediately having to apologize, weighing in about topics of the day. Topics that if you didn't live in Canada, you would say, I don't understand what this topic is. Uh, so it's kind of hard to explain, but I'll, I'll tell you about these two recent events that uh, I found, uh, no pun intended, comical! The first was a cartoon, I think it was uh, more recent. It was during, there's this horrible scandal, I don't know. It's horrible because it's dull. And it's horrible because it might lead to the government being uh, having to change or something in Canada. I don't even really understand what it is. It's basically the current government trying to influence some sort of a deal. Where, I don't know, factory was going to close or something, but... To represent this, a political cartoonist in Halifax drew an avalanche about to bury uh, Justin or Justin Trudeau, the prime minister. Well, that's well and good, except for the fact his, his brother died in an avalanche, so it might not be the best symbolism to use. So that cartoonist apologized. What do you want, Ma? Ma, what do you want? So, the second cartoon was something about the uh, pipeline deal again with Justin Trudeau, where Native people are uh, protesting a pipeline deal because it crosses their lands and they're not being consulted. They don't feel represented. So this cartoon was mostly uh, condemned because it was basically a... um, you know, Cleveland Indian style indigenous person with a tomahawk and everything hitting somebody. So he had to apologize. Of course, these are small potatoes. To me, it's just funny because they're very Canadian because you could really see that the person was trying to. They really thought they had a point. They didn't think they were being in bad taste, but they were like immediately being in bad taste. And just picture someone in front of that. You know, uh, what what do you call that drying canvas? It has a name. Okay, look, this music is gonna go a lot lower. But I don't understand why we still have editorial cartoons. Is it for people who just don't aren't? aren't word thinkers they need visuals and then it's clarified 
I, I can get with that. It just feels like maybe we should edit the editorial cartoons. That's all I'm saying. But definitely they should continue. If they want newspapers to survive, they should really take out the editorial cartoons. And basically they should take out every daily comic strip on the back. And that's including your precious Calvin and Hobbes. No, I respect that you like Calvin and Hobbes. But what's going to happen? Is that guy going to reveal himself to be like a Dilbert type of guy? You know, Scott Adams? He's not normal. And it's fine. Don't be normal. But he's not normal in one of those ways where it's like one of those guys who sort of says, I bet bet you don't think I'm, I bet you don't, you don't think I'm strong, do you? Well, I bet I could lift you. And you say, uh, and then they lift you. Without asking uh, if they can lift you. And then they ask you for money because they said it was a bet. That's the kind of guy Scott Adams from the Dilberts is. I'm not feeling well. I know you can't tell, but I'm. I, this energy I'm putting forth is... Uh, it's going to be like um, Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi. You know what I'm saying? Going to be very depleted at the end of this. If you haven't seen Last Jedi, what, are you sexist? You racist? Why didn't you see Last Jedi? I call it the Lost Jedi. Because uh, we lost a Jedi. No spoilers. I lost my shit watching that Jedi. Five out of ten. Not for my attempts at wordplay, but for the uh, Last Jedi. I like the part where he drinks gross milk. Luke Skywalker. What do you think that milk that Luke Skywalker drank tasted like? You know, this is a bit of a a foreshadowing I'm doing because I will be talking about George Lucas pretty soon, although George Lucas had nothing to do with The Last Jedi. Huh. Excuse me, I I had a few suggestions for the movie series that I created 40 years ago, and, uh... Oh, you don't want to hear them? Okay, well, I'll just write them down in, um... A manner that could not be destroyed through space and time. And so, my secret fan fiction about the series I created, Star Wars, will actually outlast all other Star Wars visions. Have you heard about that? That there are these plates you can write things on that apparently are, like, completely indestructible? Someone told me that the um, Scientology books are written out in those, so aliens might discover that as the main evidence of our civilization. And frankly, I'm cool with that. And wouldn't it be funny if it was Zeno himself or themselves? I mean, I'm not going to slap a gender on Zenu. Uh, Zenu finds the plates and goes, They knew about us the whole time. The man-animals are more sophisticated and intelligent than I expected. I wish I had not destroyed them, because they would have been delightful dinner partners. So getting back to editorial cartoons. The Canadian ones, benign, humorous because they have to apologize, which of course Canadians are famous for. And the ones that I'm obsessed with are uh, the American ones, or at least the ones that are about American... um, Politics. Of course, Ben Garrison is a very famous one. If you don't know who Ben Garrison is, he is some sort of crazed Trump fetishist 
who draws Donald Trump and other heroes of uh, the conservative movement muscular, strong, erect, very erect. And he sort of sexualizes women in a way that's hard to describe. And that's Ben Garrison. He's well-discussed. He's a lunatic. He recently crossed over into uh, full-on wild territory with his... uh, He kind of started doing anti-Israel stuff, so people uh, in the Nazi movement think he's a... uh, one of these guys who's uh, what we, a race realist and he's interested in the JQ. And I wish I were talking about the joke quotient, but his comics have almost no joke quotient. But then there's this guy, Branco. A.F. Branco. He's, uh, he's like a third-rate Ben Garrison, but uh, he's pretty <laughs> popular in that world. Which I think might have more to do with, you know, Russian-infused accounts than with real people or anything like that. That's a funny thing, is I I really think that whatever these fabricated accounts are, and I honestly don't know if they're government-run or it's just sort of almost insurrectionists within a country. Digital insurrectionists. People who think they're Neo, but... They're actually the Joe Pantoloniano character in the Matrix film, which if you haven't seen the Matrix and you're one of these millennials, hit the Matrix. It'll blow your mind. Bullet time. The first time we all found out about bullet time, uh, the the teens and I, we when we were when I was a kid, we were like, you can you can do this, you can do this in movies. Everything is different. Anyway, everyone seems to love Branko. (laughs) And uh, his website, I shouldn't even tell you, his Facebook page is called Comically Incorrect, which I guess it's supposed to be a play on the term politically incorrect, but it just makes it sound like you're hilariously, ineptly incorrect. So that's something these, these sort of dunderheaded accounts do they wind up having a name that kind of sounds like it's canceling out the meaning of what they're trying to say so his newest cartoon says af branco cartoon feel the burn comma again so they show bernie sanders and he's got like you know electrified hair and he's goes with your help we're going to transform the country and then his, it's got a thought bubble, and the image in the thought bubble is there's a sign that says government bread, and everyone's waiting in line for it. And there's a line, uh, there's a sign that says line and an arrow pointing backwards, meaning, and there's six, seven people in the line. And it is inferred that the line is longer than seven people to get this government bread. Um... I guess that's not the most. Okay, here's here's a picture. It's uh, a tent with the um, uh, Russian flag, I think, on it. It's like a circus tent with the three Russian flags on top of it, and then a, uh, I guess this somewhat anti-Semitic drawing of, I guess it's Marx. And uh, he's wearing pajamas with uh, what from far away look like menorahs drawn on them, but they're uh, hammer and sickle. And he's wearing clown suit with hammer and sickle. 
has a red clown nose and red glasses and dark beard. And he's holding a hammer and sickle. And he's like sort of like a funhouse style clown over the door of this uh, circus tent. And uh, it says Democrat presidential candidates 2020. And then someone in the tent, not identified, possibly someone behind the tent, is saying we're going to need a bigger tent. Inferring that all of these people are communists. Every single Democratic candidate is a communist. And then um, it says Branko. It's signed Branko. And uh, the name of it's in excess is Americans for Limited Government. ALG. And then the third cartoon, the last one I'll read to you, describe to you, is uh, this is one that's more like the kind of thing that uh, I really, why I go to Branko. Uh, so again, there's sort of like a circus theater style thing. These sort of curtains, uh, as if it's a marionette show. And indeed it is a marionette show. And, uh, there is someone with, uh, severely combed back dark hair and sort of a evil ear, kind of pointy, thick eyebrows, frightened, Jet black eyeballs and a big nose that seems to be flaring, and you and then the with a hand that looks an arm that looks gross, and they're holding a uh, Mary the wood of a marionette thing, you know that thing that kind of looks like a cross, the two blocks of wood that hold up the marionette. They're holding one of those, and it says AOC on it, and we see that AOC is puppeteering Nancy Pelosi. So, and if you saw this image of uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you would see that the right wing, or whoever Branco represents, is starting to, there seems to be a means of demonizing <laughs> Latino people that, uh, well, I thought, you know, it definitely seems to be the drawing they do of Jews, but they're just making her a Latino. Latina, Latinx, Latinx, Latinx. So that's Branco. And I just wanted to tell you about Branco. You don't have to follow Branco. It's just you should know that he's another creepy moron out there freaking out. Uh, I guess people like me. <laughs> I mean, at some point, I do think that Maybe the whole thing is every every one of these egregious people, Ted Nugent, Branko, James Woods. Uh, it goes on and on. I mean, maybe they are just having fun. Maybe they're just trying to pull everyone's leg and see how offended everyone can go. What, you thought I was serious when I drew that clown tent? I may, I, maybe I do offend easily. I don't know. I know I'm sensitive. What with the... Uh, uh, uh. What's your favorite editorial cartoon? Write weeklypodcast at gmail.com and let me know. There's a local guy named Donato who uh, 
listener Matt Collins says uh, taught a class to him when he was 10 years old. Donato's got a lot of problems. I think that's a thing. Is like editorial cartoonists really? It seems like it's such a hard market to crack that you only get into it when you're 50, and you're mostly male. And we all know the 50 plus year old males, if they can retain a gentle spirit, well, that is a very special man. Because they're mostly pissed. And I'm barreling down that road. When I become 50, will I be angrier? Who can say? All I can say is as much as I'm saying get rid of these cartoons. Email me every editorial cartoon that weirds you out, and I'll talk to the audience about it. What else do I have to talk about? Willow. Willow Wolfgood. I watched Willow. I finished watching it today when I was at my sickest. Actually, I feel bad right now, but... Man, Willow. Remember Willow? Now, if you're too young to remember Willow, Willow was a film that came out a few years after Return of the Jedi, and it was a George Lucas production. I don't know if it was before or after Howard the Duck, which pretty much made George Lucas take a break. I think George Lucas, something was going on with him in the 80s. Things weren't quite right. Even in Return of the Jedi, something felt... Uh, it was too into the Ewoks, you know? You could really tell they were the most important aspect of the whole movie to him. Or at least an intensely important aspect. Then Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, he makes that with Spielberg. That's this movie with a million red flags. It feels like a, you know, human centipede type of blueprint. And then George Lucas comes out with Willow. A movie that employed 240 little people or something? Warwick Davis is the star. If you don't know who Warwick Davis is, he was in that show with uh, Ricky Gervais playing himself. He was Leprechaun in many films. He was Wicked the Ewok. He is one of the most famous little folk actors. And uh, little folk does not sound good as a way of describing it. And Willow is a fantasy movie. It's uh, You know Willow. And I hadn't seen it for years. I loved it as a kid. Val Kilmer has an early role. He's got long hair and attitude. Joanne Whaley. It's very female-centric, in the, in a sense. And it's it's a really about gentle people uh, fusing with snarly people and uh, solving a problem. I don't know. I was sleeping or walking around a lot of the time while the movie was playing on my VHS player. But uh, I did watch the end today, and my gosh, it was quite action-packed. Really cool-looking movie. Lots of neat effects morphing from Industrial Light and Magic. It was the first time that happened. Everyone, apparently the similarities with Star Wars were uh, quite apparent. George Lucas said during Return of the Jedi, you know, uh, I have a movie... I want you to star in, but give it a few years because you're very young. A few years later, he's in Willow. Gets his whole movie to himself. Willow, when George Lucas initially came up with it, was called Munchkins. 
I just think it's funny because George Lucas, uh, got, you know, bless bless his heart. Bless his... Do you think he has one of those cybernetic Darth Vader hearts at this point? Will he ever die? I hope not. But everyone does. So, George Lucas just is so influenced by everything he's ever seen that he just called a movie about little people munchkins. Straight up from Wizard of Oz. But yeah, he employed so many, and they're all really, really good in it. Like, they really feel like they're in, you know, The Hobbit, or they're... Which I thought about, why did The Hobbit not have that many real little people? Why didn't they just have those as the leads? Not those, I don't mean it... You know what I mean. Have them... There's so many, is little people even the right way to, I'm like, I don't know how to title anybody. I just know I respect them. I respect everyone in the world. Tall to small, but more small than tall. Ask, do you want to hang out with a little person or a basketball player? I'll say, little people can be basketball players. Check your prejudice at the door, please. There is a prejudice checker I hired. He's at the door. You've got to tip them. And you cannot be prejudiced against them either. But, uh, yeah, they're so good in Willow. And I don't mean that, like, it's a separate class of actors at all. It's just, like, it really hammered home the fact that these are just actors who are pigeonholed. Literally, they're put in holes for pigeons. And... That's not fair because so many of them from the dude in bad Santa, obviously Peter Dinklage. I know I'm, you know, even wrestlers, certain wrestlers, so talented. Some of them are quite diverse, you know, in terms of what they can do. And uh, I thought about the, the Ewoks. Think of the, just how good they had to be in those suits to even feel like they're real. How much tumbling and running around skill is required and how hard the whole thing must have been. Shout out to Kenny Baker. But yeah, Willow has a lot of things that it copies from uh, Star Wars. The Val Kilmer character is basically Han Solo. And there's this, another character who is basically Princess Leia. Billy Barty's in it. We're talking about one of the OG little guys. But yeah, uh, it's got a very sort of very gray looking, um, you know, because there was less ability to have special effects at that time. Uh, it's all practical effects, which is great. But, of course, practical effects being uh, visible, you know, real things, not uh, special, uh, whatever, CG. They're all real stuff, which is cool, but it just makes for occasionally things looking really fake. And also just Willow feels long, but it's got lots of real good parts and maybe just watch the end. That's all I'm saying. It's a movie about protecting a baby. Oh, and there. Ron Howard directed it too. If you're a Howard head and you, if you're a Howard completist, you got to watch Willow. And he couldn't have his brother Clint Howard in the movie, so he uh, made a dragon look like Clint Howard, apparently. 
And finally, the last Willow fact that I read today is that uh, there was a monster in it that they called Ebersisk, named after Ebert, Siskel and Ebert. Again, for you millennials, Siskel and Ebert were a very, very uh, well-known critic duo who, uh, well, they they had a, uh, what would you call it, a feisty uh, chemistry between the two of them, and they both uh, were hard on some movies. So I guess this was George Lucas saying, I think it would be very funny if we called up, if we called it Ebersisk. Do you guys like that name? And nobody could say no, because you can't say no to Lucas unless you're Disney. (laughs) Well, my friends, this has been fun. Talking to you about Willow. Talking about all that good stuff. I have a newsletter. It's at tinyletter.com slash Nick Flanagan. Check the archive. I, I'm really happy with the new one I made, and you can sign up for it there on my website, theflans.com. Enjoy yourself. Have a great night. I'm going to go rest up, drink water. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I really appreciate it your support and if you want to support the show any further go to patreon.com slash nick flanagan and find out about paying five dollars a month to help me do this and other things like stand up you can follow me on instagram at nick flanagan weekly twitter at nick flan weekly write me at weekly podcast at gmail.com have a great life Or, and more than anything, just tell your friends if you like an episode and hopefully they'll listen to it. Thanks. You're really a deer. I really think of you as a deer. Nick, deer. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.